Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the podcast with the unpopular opinion that progressive centre-left politics has a lot to offer the modern world. Do you hear that? That nervy silence you hear is the sound of uncertainty. A Prime Minister on the brink, a cabinet in revolt, a Brexit deal in tatters and no clear plan to guide us out of this mess. I'm Connor Pope and I'll be talking to Wirral South MP Alison McGovern and Progress Deputy Director Stephanie Lloyd about what progressives should do when the Conservatives abdicate responsibility. Last week, two cabinet ministers, Dominic Robb and Esther McVeigh, resigned over the draft withdrawal arrangement while a further five Tories resigned from other positions. At the time of recording, Monday lunchtime, all the talk is about whether 48 Tory MPs will put forward a motion of no confidence in Theresa May, which would lead to a leadership contest. At a time like this, the country really needs strong government. Strong and stable. <laughs> oh, you got there first. That was a joke I was immediately going to make. But, but this, is, this is part of the problem. This is like the most crucial point of the Brexit negotiations so far. And there is a complete abdication of responsibility from the Tories, isn't there? And part of me blames Theresa May because this sort of thing she should have boxed. You know, she should have thought to herself ahead of time, if I'm going to get this deal through, what are the composite parts of that? And I'd have thought, number one, cabinet agreement. Number two, the agreement of the House of Commons. Like, these things are quite obvious and she didn't really get them sorted out. But on the other hand, I don't really blame Theresa May because actually some of the people that we are talking about have engaged in a kind of politics of absolutely no compromise. So from the point at which Boris Johnson and David Davis resigned over the Chequers agreement, you could see that even though they couldn't really put their finger on an alternative, essentially these are kind of burn it down, rip it up type Mm. people and not like let's find common ground type people. And therefore, you know, who do you really blame in this situation? The people who've tried to find a way through or the people who've just sat on the sidelines and resolutely refused all compromise. This rip it up and burn it down mentality does seem to be kind of encapsulating of 
the beliefs of like modern day populists, doesn't it? Mm. And kind of like, oh, this thing kind of isn't working a bit. Let's just get rid of it. And I'm sure whatever we do next will just be fine. And kind of going, well, maybe some of these insti- institutions and structures that you want to rip down have stopped things getting a lot worse. Yeah, exactly. I think that's definitely the lesson from this, that maybe the strength of institutions depends on everybody being prepared to sign up to some basic principles of debate. And what's happened is like people have been allowed to forget that responsibility that we all have to those institutions, whether it's a functioning House of Commons or a functioning cabinet government. Everybody's sort of just like walking away and saying, oh, no, thanks. It's easier to be the person who's pointing the finger, shouting, being angry than it is to be the person who's listening and compromising. So what you said there a minute ago was that you partly blame Theresa May. And and obviously, I say it's harder to be the person who actually has to do something. How important do we think that the prime minister is at this moment? Because if it's just someone in the Tory party, then does it really matter that much? If the, the deal's already been done and the EU says, like, we're not going to change that. Well, I think if... So let's let's come back to kind of where the Tory party are and the sort of... Mm. I mean, it's it would be wrong to laugh at another person's grief, but, you know, it's the Tories. <laughs> <laughs> but... So last week, Steve Baker and Jacob Rees-Mogg walked out of their meeting of the European Research Group, this group of hard right Tory MPs, anti-Europeans, who basically said, you know, they basically said, like, look, we're going to send 48 letters, we're going to trigger a uh, leadership election in the Tory party. Basically, they they were trying to stop Theresa May being prime minister anymore. And uh, we've had, how many days has it been? since then four five and it is unclear it's not, it's not going very well for them have they it's got not, not a very good coup letters. is it no <laughs> i mean i would think that the first thing you ought to have done if you were steve baker who's the organizer of this erg group is before you do that make sure you've got 48 yeah. i mean it's only one to 48 it's not a big number to count to also at a time like this with you know brexit negotiations the way you are they are presumably if you want to your kind of people to take over that then the you thing, a basic the, the, level of competence, shouldn't but, you really? But also the thing that you really want to nail down is expectation management. <laughs> go, if we take over Brexit negotiations, everything will definitely be fine. Also, we will definitely get 48 letters. It's like, you can't even get 48 letters. So, so um, they, That's definitely the easier they, of those two things. And in order to get 48 letters, right, you probably want to have, I don't know, a candidate to be prime minister. Like, you would think that that was the first thing that was necessary. But all Steve Baker seemed to want to say was, well, you know, we've got lots of good people. They all need to sit in a room and sort it out between them. It's like, no, 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 mate. Like, you are behind schedule if you are still in the business of sitting people down in a room and having a candidate. You know, I mean, Lord knows, you know, I've seen these things in, in, uh, in the Labour Party and they're not always easy, but... They appeared to be, this time last week, the ERG appeared to be in an incredibly strong position. I wouldn't want to second guess it, but I think they look more and more like they're in quite a weak position. God, it'd be terrible if they've got the 48 letters by the time this podcast comes out. <laughs> it would be really <laughs> terrible. I, I'll still start, I was like, took you five days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Should have done it sooner. Yeah. So. Well, what was amazing, I, I don't know what you guys were to on Thursday when all the resignations came I in. literally did not stop staring at the television. Because I, I, I was on a, a train. Slash, I was definitely doing loads of work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, was, I was on a train that left at nine o'clock. Mm. And so just as it set off, my partner turned to me looking at her phone and went, Dominic Raab has resigned and the man we were on a table and the man opposite is on the table genuinely turned around and went 
Dominic Robb has resigned. <laughs> <laughs> and for a minute, I was like, is he being sarcastic? <laughs> but before you do it, like, it felt like the whole train carriage was discussing how you get to 48 letters. <laughs> and then, bizarre. so then, uh, um, when, uh, the, the message came out that Theresa May was going to do a press conference at five o'clock mm. and that, you know, the uh, the lectern was being put into place outside 10 Downing Street. I mean, my whole uh, team that uh, works with me all went collectively like insane in that moment. <laughs> not again. Not, <laughs> not another, again. Not another one. And, uh, <laughs> and I can only say that. that in like, you know, all of like team we're all south we were all sort of like collectively like holding our breath like are we about to have a general election again one of my favorite bits about that as well is that one of my one of my best mates was going on a date that night and she ended up being late because the press conference overrun and i was like i think this is why we're all single (laughs) (laughs) does she even work in politics she does oh right she does but still like it's not a legitimate, well, it is a legitimate reason in my world, but I think for most people, the person she was going on a date with does not work in politics. <laughs> the, well, Theresa May was having a press conference tonight to see what was going, doesn't, seems all a bit odd in the rest of the world. In, it does. In days like this, Alison, do um, the Labour MPs in their WhatsApp groups do exactly what all the rest of us do and just text each other being like, do you think she's going to go? I think she's going to go and like just speculate <laughs> yeah. and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but that, my favourite bit as well though, when you've all, everybody's got that friend who also pretends that they are the BBC breaking news notification, <laughs> right? So they're like, Dominic Rob has resigned. I'm like, I know, I got the same notification <laughs> that you did. You are not in a loop here. <laughs> yeah, but... There, there is always that kind of element of like being the first to the WhatsApp group. Isn't it? True. <laughs> you know, like who is the most? Oh, so you're that person the then, Alison. I am not that person. <laughs> I am very much not that person. Like uh, when this comes out, there will now be a load of Labour MPs <laughs> screenshotting when I have been that person. But yeah, no, ev- everybody I think is in the same boat, just going from moment to moment, not that clear on what could happen next. Supposing that a hard Brexiteer did take over next and essentially in a show of macho brinkmanship turned around and went we don't care about this deal it's no good if the eu won't give us another one we're just going to go for no deal do you think that would change the complexion in parliament a bit towards how people want to like will there be enough tory mps then who just go no that is clearly the wrong thing to do and kind of push them into a softer brexit position yeah i don't know i think that i think that if a really quite hard Brexiteer if someone of the likes of let's use Boris Johnson because mm-hmm. actually I don't think Boris Johnson is that likely to become leader of the Tory party although <laughs> <laughs> touching wood here banging the oh. table but but say Boris Johnson became the new prime minister actually I think that would cause quite a lot of division within the Conservative party I think that there are a lot of Tory MPs who are already on the record are saying they'll be very unhappy about that so I do think I think that probably does change the dynamic for them. And I think actually seeing the likes of Stephen Hammond, my colleague on the Treasury Select Committee going back into government, somebody who had advocated for a single market type Brexit. And I think there's a sense in which you know they feel that the prime minister ought to be defended from the ERG. So in, in some ways, the ERG of their actions have been quite counterproductive because they're essentially pushing uh, other members of the Tory party away from that hard Brexit position. Because this is it. Does it then move to a like no deal or people's vote type situation? Yeah. And that's the bit so. where it's like, does it polarise people so far then? If it's if, if if her deal then basically becomes off the table, those are kind of feel like the options that you're left with. 
yeah and no deal of for all the reasons that people have talked about at length um is is a very 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 bad idea and the number of members of parliament who are in the john redwood place john redwood actively says that no deal you know wto option as he calls it um would be a good idea i mean it's absolute madness in terms of the lack of legal guarantees for people's insurance contracts for what that would mean for the border for you know it's completely wrong in my view and i i just think there's absolutely no working majority for the lack of a deal therefore sort of one of the only routes left is really giving it back to the public letting the public have the final say which is broadly what i think a lot of people are concluding we need to take a short break there but um after the break we'll be discussing proper politics not just internal tory party wranglings hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Back onto the issue of people's vote quickly. Do we think that things are heading towards that direction? Um, Theresa May's rhetoric over the past few days seems to have shifted towards a my deal or remain as the options in an attempt to spook Brexiteers into backing her. And John McDonnell signalled over the weekend that a people's vote is more likely than a general election because of the Fixed Term Parliament Act. Steph, do you think things have changed? I think they are. I think it, I think we are certainly shifting far more towards that. I think you can see public opinion is moving more towards that way now. But also then in terms of the parliamentary arithmetic, there is there is no majority for anything in Parliament currently. But as we were saying earlier, I think when we do get to that situation where if it becomes her deal is so untenable and, and I mean, let's face it, it's not a deal. It's what we leave on. Alison will be very pleased that I've said that. In that yeah. sense. It is not the well deal. Done. It is not the deal. I'll refer the Honourable Lady to my very long article that makes this point <laughs> again and again. It is not the deal. Um, it's but a I draft think, legal agreement and a political statement. Yeah. And it's I not think, a deal. You know, if we move more towards that being an untenable position in and of itself, I think it is going to get to the point where even people who originally were quite sceptical, quite hesitant, were from very leave areas who wanted to in what they believed do totally the right thing for their constituents and try and honour what they voted for and find that way forward, 
I think it is going to get to a point where if Parliament cannot do it, the country has to the country has to do so. And I think the party's certainly moving towards that. Jeremy's making some slightly odd noises all over the place. But, you know, as we're seeing, John McDonnell, as you said, came out over the weekend saying it's more likely. But the arithmetic to get to a general election just feels almost impossible. So I think I think it's definitely what we could see happening. I think it certainly should be what we see happening. And it seems ridiculous that a time like this, so much attention is on internal Tory affairs. Um this withdrawal arrangement, not a deal, is really significant. And even if we don't think it will pass, it needs to be examined properly. Alison, uh, you've read some of it, all of it. Uh, I've not even yeah, read Yeah, I mean, so the first thing is it, is, it is a draft legal agreement and it is also very legalistic. So the clause in it that made me, I suppose, dwell on where we are the most is the part where there is a clause in it that says, that both parties agree that both parties will act in good faith. So it is very legalistic in in that sense, because normally when we write the law in the House of Commons, we do so on the basis of the constitution that already exists and the presumptions that are in our constitution. Whereas this is an agreement between two countries, well, so between the UK and the collection of countries that is the European Union. And so it needs to kind of re-establish all of those legal principles. So really, uh, I think people, if they do kind of flick through it, most people will be blinded by a lot of the legal terminology, which is designed to give legal certainty in this very uncertain situation. So, um, you know, the, the important bits and the reason why um, people have described it as as a huge transfer of sovereignty is where it ascribes the process for deciding a lot of these legal matters. And I think it's necessary, but actually reading through it, you know, if you want to leave the EU, it's a necessary thing to do. But actually the thing that it doesn't tell us is the most crucial thing that will affect our economy to come, which is what is the future relationship? And for that, we have a seven page, seven pages, that is all, political statement and some of those sentences, do, I mean, they're not even proper English. Like if you, uh, that is the bit that I would really recommend people reading. I mean, unless you are, you know, a lawyer, I wouldn't recommend people like in detail, try and decipher um, the 585 pages of the withdrawal agreement. I would suggest, you know, reading someone else who's a expert in that matter. And you can find a lot of those on Twitter and, you know, I'll certainly retweet a lot of them. But the thing to read yourself is the political agreement which describes where we're going in the future. And the bit on freedom of movement, for example, is, is practically indecipherable. It's like two sentences of nothing. Now, this is, that is the statement that's going to govern whether or not, you know, a young person in my constituency who, for example, say might want to get a job abroad for a couple of years, maybe working in like, I don't know, Ibiza doing, you know, the holiday season there or like a young person that I represent who might want to go and do a term abroad, you know, in a German university, say, this is the agreement that's going to govern whether they have those chances in life or not. And the idea that I'm betting their futures on seven pages of very flimsy stuff, I think is is madness. This is not going to do it. On that issue particularly, I mean, we've got a member, a guy called Charles Owen, who runs a, a company called European Pubs and we've done some really good work with him actually. He's been on the podcast before. Yeah. And he literally turned around to us the other day and he was like, I'm now at the point where it's either, do I go, like, if we have no deal, 
do I go bankrupt or do I break the law? Because if we don't have an agreement, he's legally not allowed to have people work in France and places like that on the continent. And if he doesn't, then his literal, his whole business goes overnight, yeah, totally down and, the drain. And, and that's that's exactly the question before us. Like, do we put our faith in seven pages of pretty flimsy stuff from Theresa May when everybody sort of broadly expects her years as prime minister might be numbered? I mean, I just think most MPs looking at that thinking, that's not a gamble I'm going to take. The thing that surprised me as well, I mean, there is a there is a level of resilience I didn't know was even humanly possible. And watching her on Thursday, both in the Commons and then also doing that press statement. But it was the point now as well where it's like, there's a point where resilience becomes delusional. And it's like, how, you know, at what point is she going to actually realise that the deal that she currently has is not getting anywhere through Parliament. And, no. You know, it's someone has to move at some point. Someone has to be the adult. Yeah, and I think that's... I don't think any as, of them As are. we were saying before, I think that's why the in the end, you know, we, there was a possible world where if 18 months ago the Tories had realised that this was the sort of big constitutional shift that needed the support of both parties, there was a possible world where we could have all looked at this and thought some sort of single market customs union option is where we're going to get to. Then what we need to think about is how do we have influence in the European Union if we're not part of the political union? We needed to work that question through. But the Tories never did that. They decided to have a fight amongst themselves. And so that option, I mean, you know, as chair of the Labour campaign for the single market, we really tried to push that. I think our party's policy got to a good place. But that deal you know, is not really on the table because the Tories never wanted to compromise on a cross-party basis. So the only thing left to us is a general election. Tories, I doubt, will vote for that or the deal goes to the public. So that is why in the end, I think, Steph, your kind of grown up in the room argument gets you to think that probably it has to be the country that sorts this out. So I've not read any of it and um, frankly, I don't plan to. Um, but Alan Simpson, who's on the Progress Strategy Board, uh, read it over the weekend, all 585 pages of it. He was texting us some of his thoughts about it. He, one of his lines in particular kind of struck with me where he said, uh, essentially, it's a reduction in British influence in exchange for a reduction in British access, which seems to be, in one sentence, uh, essentially a summing up of the entirety of the kind of Brexit that the Tories are pursuing is, um, is remarkable. I've yeah, never quite thought about it. And that's that's absolutely correct. And if you were to ask the ERG why they want to pursue that, they would say, "Well, actually, a pure Brexit, where we just said, you know, we'll we'll even more reduce our access and even more reduce our influence, will open us up to uh, g- these great gains that could be made from." deals elsewhere so whether it's you know they want to basically have this big trade deal with america which i you know we all know what that means so if if you don't think that that's realistic and that we could exchange our trade with the european union with i don't know a free trade deal with new zealand population what four million people something like that maybe yeah. less yeah um then then you have to go for sort of the way more the way that Theresa may has gone but because she's hamstrung by the hard right in her party she can't do it in a way that you know embraces the european model of supply chains and sharing uh, labor force so you just end up with this worst of all worlds kind of reduction in go on what were alan's words again 
reduction in uh, in influence in exchange for reduction in access. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And we'll end up basically on the fringes of Europe. And it's not actually an immediate crash that I fear if the deal was to go through, because actually I think people in the financial markets and I think in the economy have have been hedging their bets and preparing for all different political eventualities. It's not actually an immediate crash that I fear. It's the long-term decline of our economy because we've lost influence and we've lost, lost access. If only we had a kind of pithy slogan that could fit on a T-shirt <laughs> that would explain, oh, wait, you do. I do, it's true. I do, <laughs> I do. So the, the brilliant Richard Dunstan uh, made me a T-shirt because who I think tweets at something like wonky policy wonk. <laughs> which is lovely that makes sense when you hear the t-shirt so so i tweeted a while ago trying to capture this problem that a customs union was necessary but not sufficient for fi- frictionless trade because the government have promised us frictionless trade and everybody's policy the tories and and labor's has basically been moving towards the idea of a customs union. The problem with that is that the other rules within the single market also will influence whether or not your trade can be frictionless. So, for example, take um, sanitary standards, uh, be it for food or, you know, the other rules that protect us against the spread of infection. In the single market, those rules are common across the whole of the European Union area. So, you don't, once the, the goods have passed through the EU border, you don't need to then reinspect them um, as they cross other country borders. If you weren't participating in the single market, the common rule book uh, and all of that, then you would need that inspection. So it's not just, people often worry about tariff barriers. It's not just making sure we haven't got to pay tariffs on stuff. It's not even just like non-tariff barriers, I you know, inspection for uh customs and and the um the idea of having a customs process at all it's also about all of these rules and common standards in the single market that mean that stuff can move seamlessly and so anyway i'd tweeted this line that customs union is necessary but not sufficient for frictionless trade uh in response to something that dominic raab said and because i was getting so frustrated i then retweeted it a couple of weeks ago saying i'm going to get a t-shirt made of this and richard has now made me one so I, I only found out about this when I walked in here today and, and saw you have the T-shirt out. You, you're not wearing it, but you, you're proudly <laughs> displaying it in your office. People can have a look at a photo of it on my Instagram. Um, I'm completely sold on this. What do you think, Steph? I think I think we should get Joe in the office to mock up a few more, maybe some different designs if people want them. Sure. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Steph I, is not looking convinced here. I, th- I think that the slogan, a customs union is necessary but not for, sufficient for frictionless trade, is the best t-shirt slogan <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> if, if, yeah, if listeners want them, tweet at Alison, tweet at maybe I could Maybe I could like auction it off at some future Labour Party fundraiser. Yeah, I mean, I think this will be a real money spinner for us. I'm <laughs> completely sold on it. I, Indeed. I mean, it's a, we, we jest, but it's a very serious point, you know. Steph's, no, Steph's not laughing. <laughs> it is a serious point. It is. It, is. it was it's just a, a remarkable serious, transition. It's a yeah. very serious point on a t-shirt. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we should probably leave it at that for today. But uh, Alison, thank you. That was uh, that was quite a ride. <laughs> <laughs> Every week we ask a political pub quiz question, which is then answered on Friday's show. 
Uh, this podcast is going out on the 20th of November. So my question is, why is 20th of November an important day in the history of Conservative Party leadership? If you think you know, do give us a shout by emailing office at progressonline.org.uk and you could win a Progress mug. That's all we have time for. We'll be back with an extra show on Friday. Please don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you listen and leave us a review to let us know what you think. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast. The music was When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And many thanks to the brilliant Caroline Crampton, who produced this podcast. Mm-hmm.